We are here with another episode of Barbie Does Dating. I am Barbie Berg, your host. We are here with the podcast producer extraordinaire, Nicoletti. Hello. And again, my therapist, the fabulous Michelle Pomeroy. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> we just love her. I'm so happy you're here. So we are going to be talking today about a couple different things. First, I'm going to bring up some, well, in a minute, I'll bring up some other things. But she kind of gave me a bunch of ideas of things we could talk about. And a couple of them like really jumped out at me and they kind of run along the same line. So the first one is befriend the parts you don't like about yourself. You aren't who you are afraid you are. And replace self-criticism with curiosity. They really all go hand in hand. And they very much were things that I had to go to see Michelle to work on. So I was like, oh, I really like this. First, we're going to talk about completely randomly. Before we started, <laughs> Nick's wife brought down a pie oh. <laughs> that I am still obsessed with. They made an eggnog pie. Eggnog pie. It was amazing. Could thank Instagram for that one. Dude, four so ingredients. It was delicious. So good. Like very fluffy. Fluffy eggnog with a crust. Yes. So it was delicious. Maybe Nick will share that recipe on our page. You know, I can. I'll, if you yeah. go to the Instagram, I'll share the source video for where I got it. It was so stinking good. Like, I'm and just looking easy, at my plate. Stupid easy to make. <laughs> you don't even have to bake it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And better than actual eggnog, I have to say. Yeah. I liked it better. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I cool. love eggnog. Yeah. But I'm like, ooh, that was just not. I just keep looking at my plate and I'm like, that was really good. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> So, because Nick wanted, what were you saying we should do well, it to start off? I think that it would be fun. I'm going to tweak it a little bit. Okay. So, when I perfect it, I'll post this too. But I think it is should be the official pie of cuffing season. I love it. I love it. It's a cuffing pie. <laughs> <laughs> and Michelle was like, what is cuffing <laughs> yeah. season? So, again, if those don't know, it basically starts in October and it starts out the dating months where people tend to get in relationships or handcuffed together mm-hmm. and through the winter months because people really like to do that yeah which or is go great. listen to our cuffing season go episode. listen to the episode it's really funny it is i even i re-listened to pretty much all of them just to make sure i don't sound like an idiot and that was one of my favorites <laughs> you didn't I sound didn't. like an idiot no i hope not <laughs> but i do listen and sometimes i'm like oh i gotta stop saying yeah and agreeing when people talk so i'm like working on well, that so far i've said totally like a lot <laughs> It's totally fine. Uh, Totally. Um, The other thing I was going to bring up is my new addiction. So you know how I have to have a show on in the background, especially when I'm working. Mm -hmm. So my new obsession that I love to hate is Sister Wives. Oh, crap. It took me 12, 13 years to start watching it. Oh, my gosh. Do you watch it? Um, I watched it years ago. Yes. It is like... I think I may have seen two minutes total (laughs) of Sister Wives. I mean, and for the first couple of years, it was actually fairly normal like I was like oh my gosh this is pretty normal he's kind of a douche but like this is pretty good like they have a good relationship and then when he moved them out of Vegas and now it's during COVID and I'm like this man is a psychopath these women are like nuts and they have the worst relationships ever like so when she was talking when Michelle was talking the last one about like communication and stuff and I'm like Cody doesn't know how to communicate (laughs) Cody sure doesn't he doesn't (laughs) And he talks over everybody and he's mean to his wives and then they just are mean back. And I'm just I'm like having issues, but I'm obsessed. <laughs> obsessed with it now. You can't stop. Oh you can't stop. I can't. It's a train wreck. It's my hyperfixation right now. Well, you see 30 Rock and... Oh, 30 Rock will always Ooh. be it. Yeah. It's my favorite show to watch in the background. Yes. It's such a good one. It's so... Do you watch it yet, Nick? 
What do you mean yet? I've seen it a few times. You have? Oh, yeah. Like the whole series? Yeah, a couple times. Oh, okay. I was just making sure. I couldn't remember. Yeah. It might be someone else you're thinking of. No, oh, I've probably. Seen, I've seen 30 Rock. Yeah. We were at home the other day. It was just me and Kim and Jill, my roommates, and Kim and I watched 30 Rock nonstop. And so like Steve does, too. Like he just quotes it with us. And Jill's finally started watching it. And she's like, I get I get why you guys make all these references. And I think she's like, it's still not as funny as you guys think it is. We're like, yes, it is. It is, though. 30 Rock is the show that I use to tell people how important editing is, because if you watch the show, it's one of the few shows that does a live version and a non live version. It is a very different show without hate the live shows hate the live hate show them. because it's the show is that good because of editing you're exactly and right so i think that if if you want to study and how editing actually makes a difference because you know sometimes when you see these academy awards like best editing you're uh-huh. like what did he do <laughs> watch dirty rock and then watch the live episodes and it is that show would never have gone anywhere if it was just the live style oh the live shows are awful i, I never have, have once yeah. Oh, they have two episodes that are live, okay. and they're awful, and they're terrible. I terrible. Hate them. Their their timing is like that's Horrible. not funny, mm. and you go, oh, it's not funny because it's not edited the, and in the a, way that it's funny. And there's an audience, and I hate that. Like oh, it's yeah. just it's awful. It's weird. But the rest of the time, it's great. Okay, so I also have to talk to you about. I have really embraced my inner old lady and the old lady hobbies. Wheel of Fortune is hands down my favorite show. <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> which which ones? With Drew Carey or Bob? So that's, oh, no, that's Price is Right. That's Price is Right. Just, this is, oh, which I love Price is Right. Don't get uh, me wrong. No, you're talking. You're, yeah, and now they have Price is Right primetime. So it has even more expensive stuff. So I watch that. But I love Wheel of Fortune. And I every time I'm with my mom, because I don't have regular TV, so I don't watch it. We She tapes it for me so we can watch it because I love it so On much. On a tape? Like <laughs> no, an actual? I, it's DVR. <laughs> But she would. (laughs) And like, I love it. And I was sitting there the other day and I'm like, I just want a guy that'll sit on the porch with me and watch the birds and we can watch Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. And then we'll go on trips sometimes. It'll be fun. And we'll go shooting and other stuff. Just come watch Wheel of Fortune. Go watch Wheel of Fortune in the other countries. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And now they have Celebrity Wheel of Fortune and Celebrity Jeopardy, which I never watched Celebrity Jeopardy except Mm -hmm. when they made fun of it on SNL. Oh, my gosh. The questions are so much easier on Celebrity Jeopardy. Not as much this season. Oh, really? Because half of them, I'm like, huh? (laughs) I would have thought. Hilarious, though. If you watch Ted Lasso, well, this was on Wheel of Fortune. Beard was on uh, oh, Wheel of celebrity? Fortune Celebrity. Mm. And he won it. It was fabulous. <laughs> Anyways. All right. So that is seven you know minutes what? of non-dating. <laughs> you know what? I... Maybe I'm just advertising <laughs> for the man that I want to that I want to be with. <laughs> Wheel of Fortune. That's the, that's, that's that's the key. That's the key, key to your heart. Come home from working at the factory. That's right. And, and <laughs> that's right. <laughs> watch, sit down and watch some Wheel of Fortune. I will make you a fabulous dinner. We will watch Wheel of Fortune. Have eggnog pie. Eggnog pie. Eggnog pie and be La- cuffed. Last night, I was, I'm planning a trip with some of my girlfriends, and they were, and I was like, I'll make dinner. I was like, what do you guys want? They're all like, marry me chicken. It's this recipe that I found on TikTok. It is the best recipe. <laughs> and so I'm just like, yes, someday. Someday I will find a man I can cook for. <laughs> I'm not as worried about it right now. I'm so stinking busy. I can't even think about it. So if you could just like show up at my house, that'd be great. <laughs> well, maybe that's not great. Maybe show up yeah, at a public wait place. A <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Okay. 
So did I talk about the titles? Yes, you did. I did. But it might be worth refreshing because it's been eight minutes. <laughs> you know what? It is my <laughs> podcast and I will talk I'm, about I'm what I want. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm, I'm just prompting. Uh, I know. Nick's always so good about like, let's get back to the subject. <laughs> hey, when it's me and Steve here, it's like herding cats. We're like, do, do, do. Let's talk about dogs for an hour. That's what we do. What do ADHD people talk about? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Everything. Everything. <laughs> Would you like us to go and then deep dive random things? Because we will. I did want to mention Sister Wives, though, because goodness gracious, that man. I'm so glad three of them have left him. Anyway. <laughs> oh, don't give it away. I know. It's been all <laughs> over the news. Alert. It has been. That's the reason I started watching is I'm like, okay, let's see. And You're I started like, from what? the beginning. Why did they leave? They, why they did must they leave? have reasons. And then I'm watching. I'm like, that's why they left. Uh-huh. They yes. have their unmet needs. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Those attachment needs. They were. <laughs> they, they yes. Were. <laughs> unmet. <laughs> or when you very clearly tell them your needs and they go, I'm not doing that or that's dumb. Or you've Ooh. married one man who has to divide himself between eight women. You know what's interesting is they like that. They're like, because they know what they wanted and they know the culture and they like not having him there all the time. Mm-hmm. Actually, when he's there more, they're like, why are you here so much? <laughs> it's like, it's very fascinating to me. It's very independent women that tend to get into mm. that kind of situation. I'm interesting. like, no. Anyways, whatever. We'll talk about a real subject. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> okay. I tend to be pretty open. And one of the things I struggle with is I have a very loud inner self-critic. Yeah. As Kristen put it, she's like, your inner critic has a bullhorn and is like pushing the little button every second she can. Like, meh, meh. And, uh, it's true. <laughs> and it's constant. And I have to constantly work on it. Would that be the rejection sensitive dysphoria? Oh, that's part of it, too. Oh, yes. It's all fun. It's all fun. (laughs) So because I was working with Kristen and like we got to a certain point of something questioning and she was just like trying to ask me these questions. And I was basically just roadblocking her everywhere. I'm like, no, that's not how this works. She's all, I would like you to go see Michelle, the therapist I recommend everyone to. But I very much believe in therapy. And I really like it if you go in with a like a purpose. Yeah, this is the exact thing I really need to work on. If you see something else, let me know. But like, this is what I like, because if you want to be in therapy for the rest of your life, do your thing. That's great. But I like going in and being like, let's work on this thing. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was very much inner critic. Lots of things I don't like about myself, taking what other people have not liked about me and turning that on myself. Lots of stuff like that. So I thought this was really interesting, especially befriend the parts you don't like about yourself. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah, because if you make them the enemy, then they work even harder, right? Uh-huh. It's like if you resist them, they they hang around and get a little louder, get a little meaner, mm-hmm. get a little more like they fight for some space, you know? And so we find that if we try to turn off the judgment and get a little bit curious about those parts, we all have them, by the way. Good to know. Try to figure out why in the world they're even there in the first place. How did they even show up? What are they trying to do? And there's lots of questions that we can ask, but kind of a just a general idea of, all right, let's lean in rather than resist them. They tend to soften up a little bit and give you a little bit of understanding and let you kind of see what's behind them. What's going on behind the inner critic? Why does it feel like it needs to be there? It's just, it's such a different... I find myself cringing when I'm like on Instagram or whatever and people will be like... I have an inner, I don't know if you swear on this, a little inner bee. <gasps> <laughs> How dare you? Know? you? And uh, that's actually kind of funny to hear it that way, though. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. 
And just, yeah. you know, kind of the way that they talk about these parts of themselves, I just kind of cringe because I go, ooh, if you if you ha- make them the enemy, they're going to work harder and they're going to be harder to work with. Yes. Being able to kind of get curious. And yeah, I mean, we all have stuff that we don't like about ourselves. But it's kind of interesting when I invite people to actually get curious about these things mm-hmm. and kind of lean in. They kind of have a reaction like, really? Well, I have no idea. I've never actually wondered or even wanted to know because Mm -hmm. I've just spent all my energy trying to get rid of these things. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm curious kind of what your experience was like when I asked you to (laughs) kind of like, yeah, you know that I'm fairly open for most things because I want people to understand that like, it's okay to not be okay with certain things. It's okay to have a hard time with things because so many of us try to push it away and push it down. And like, yep. Especially like you said, this inner critic, And we learned a lot of it was a younger me (laughs) that was being not nice to me. And one of the things that always made me stop was when Michelle said, like, why do you think she is trying to make you feel that way? Why is she trying to bring that to you, like, to your attention or make you feel bad about this? Like, think about what it is she's trying to do. And I was like, huh? Yeah. Why would I do that? Huh? Why why would you even invite me to do such a thing? Yeah. And it's definitely not gone. And I don't yeah. know that it'll never be gone. But you yeah. graduated. I did graduate. <laughs> Look at me go. Plus, I was getting ready to travel for three months nonstop. And yeah. I was, <laughs> as I'm like ready to have not a nervous breakdown, but I'm like, I'm overwhelmed and ready to just cry a lot. We may have to go see Michelle again. <laughs> it's been so much better. Yeah. It has been so much better. Well, I think that that is so that's another thing to kind of highlight is often mm-hmm. when we're wanting to get rid of these parts All we actually need to do is change how we relate to the parts. Like, if we just change that, then we can deal with them being around. Mm -hmm. And that's much, much easier to do than it is to cut out a piece of our brain that, (laughs) you know, and try to get rid of something that probably has been with you for a long, long, long time. Mm -hmm. A long, long time. Yeah. Wait, we can cut out a part of our brain? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I guess lobotomy or whatever. You know, that's fine. You know. (laughs) The brain chopping clinic. Let's open that. Yeah. (laughs) Just get rid of this little part. Yeah. What is it? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's a movie. That movie. But isn't it that they go in and they erase? I haven't seen it. Oh, it's amazing. I haven't seen it for a long time, but they like erase hurtful parts of your past, like the relationship that just destroyed you. They like erase it from your brain. I saw it a long time ago, but yeah. Go rewatch it. That sounds... Very like people were afraid of when I do EMDR with them. Yes. <laughs> are, are you going to delete the whole memory? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's interesting to me, just like these techniques like EMDR or I don't know if you've seen the new. I'm just going to go off topic here for a second. Really? Shocking. I know. <laughs> Have you seen the new study they're doing for veterans with PTSD and LSD? Oh, Barbie. I could go Fascinating. Off. Yeah, it is really fascinating. It's good, bad. Like, Oh, yeah, I'm pro. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Have you seen this, Nick? I, I haven't seen it, but I, I know the concept that a lot of a lot of psychotropic kind of things yeah. have yeah. been started to be implemented in, in therapies for PTSDs. But the technique that they do, like they give it to this person and they're in a room with these professionals and it lets down the wall like these severely... PTSD, suicidal, horrible depression. And these guys come out of it and they're like, and it's gone. Like, I've never had thoughts about killing myself again. I have, and it's that fast. 
I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I watched a whole thing on it and I was like, this is amazing. There's a really <laughs> awesome documentary about using psychedelics uh, in in the various forms on Netflix called How to Change Your Mind. And it's based on a book by Michael Pollan by the same name, How to Change Your Mind. Okay. But a documentary is much more like, I don't know, I'm bite sized. That. <laughs> I mean, shrooms. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, obviously not that, but. There's it's, lots of stuff coming out now. Yeah. Well, because especially people have gone through trauma and not even like physical trauma necessarily, but like they repress it and they repress it and they repress it. And then like you get to a point where let's say your brain breaks or whatever, but it's like these are things that could actually help. And they're things that in like initially I was like, why would that sounds bizarre? Yeah. But so anyways, getting into the brain and figuring out like, why do I have such a strong inner critic? Why are they constantly critiquing me? Why are they so loud and it's controlling every part of me and makes me apologize all the time for things that I'm doing and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, another thing that Michelle told me once, I remember we were in a session. I can't remember even what it was, but I was like, oh, somebody in my life, they kind of treated me this way. So I always make sure to talk quieter. I do this. And she was like, when did you become afraid to take up space? I don't know if you remember saying this. And I was like, it was like a light bulb. And I was like, why am I afraid to take up space? And it is like around, especially certain people or certain circumstances. I'm very much like on mute. Like I try to be on mute because I know I'm super loud and I know I'm these things as much as I know I'm trying not to be as loud. I also have learned I literally have no control over it. (laughs) Yes. There are things I can do like the headphones help. Anyways, (laughs) that's why she wears them. That is why. So I wear headphones when we record because if I can hear the other people in here for some reason, it helps me not to talk so loud. I know it's weird, oh, but yeah. I think I'd be weird if I was walking around with these giant headphones all day, but it, maybe it would help. <laughs> and it's funny if you go back to listen to the beginning of what are we calling our uh-huh. season two. Yeah. When we first built this place, uh-huh. had a lot less of this acoustic treatment around and you could hear it because uh. her, her voice reverberated yep. quite oh, yeah. a bit more. And then as we put more treatments around and we got the headphones mm-hmm. on. The voice came down, the uh-huh. echoing came down, and yeah. yeah, so you can actually hear it yeah. progress in yeah. our episodes. There you go. Just little things that it, I'm learning about myself. But now I don't want to cry about that as much anymore. I'm just like, okay, I yeah. really I really can't control it, so let's see if there's other things I can do. And if I can't, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I'm yep. just loud. At least I'm not loud and like swearing and mad at people. I'm happy loud. <laughs> <laughs> but the self-criticism, replace it with curiosity. Yeah. Tell me more, like, what are steps you think people could do or things to look for? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll tell you a little bit about how I work with maybe something that somebody doesn't like about themselves in therapy, right? They're coming mm-hmm. in and they're saying, I'm doing this or, you know, I find myself getting home from work and I just go in my bedroom and close the door and numb out. And I kind of ignore my family and then mm-hmm. I feel super guilty about it. And I just hate that I do that. I feel ashamed about it. I just hate it, right? And so I ask them or invite them to get curious Mm -hmm. rather than critical or judgmental of that part of them that needs to numb out for some reason. That's the invitation to start the befriending, right? It's like the first step of getting closer and befriending that part is just, all right, well, I don't have to like it, but I can at least get kind of curious Mm -hmm. there's enough room in me to get to wonder and to like start exploring it and one of the first questions that we ask often or is like can you find that part in your body 
kind of make connection with it. Okay, numb out. Well, I just it's it's like a numb feeling. I don't really feel it anywhere. Okay, that's all right. The next question would be, can you ask that part what its job is? Mm-hmm. What is it trying to do for you? We see that these parts just kind of start talking to us, communicating with us. And so it might say something like, well, it's um, very, it's often the case, uh, it's protecting me somehow, or it's, mm-hmm. it, it has good intention. So we often find that these bad parts have really good intentions. The curiosity opens the door to discovering that. And once you start seeing your bad parts in this, like, this light of understanding, things start shifting and changing, mm-hmm. right? So it's like with an inner critic. Okay, well, inner critic, what's your job? What are you trying to do for me? People have various answers, but again, typically it's very much about protecting. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, what are you protecting? When did you start protecting that? What would happen if you stopped protecting? Mm-hmm. All of those questions can come up and we can start to understand and uncover what's beneath. Like you said, Barbie, right? Like beneath for me was like a younger part. There was mm-hmm. a younger part of me that needed a critic for some reason. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah. What was the question? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, can I add some, ask, yeah, ask a question in relation to that? When you talk about being able to go in and kind of explore, befriend, not befriend, yeah. but be curious yep. with this thing. Mm-hmm. I have found that as people see these negative things, these self-critical things, yeah. that one of the first questions that they ask is, is it true? Mm. And how is it true? Yeah. And then their brain starts to prove it. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering if there isn't some way that you can maybe help us to short-circuit that process where it's not about whether that self-criticism is true mm-hmm. or not. Yeah, so so you're talking specifically about an inner critic part that's finding something to be critical about. Yeah. And then you kind of get caught up in the, is it true or is it not trap? Typically, But then your brain, I don't know about other yeah, people's yeah, brains, yeah, yeah. but I think a lot of people's brains, if they even ask the question, is it true? Yeah. They start They're to already generate entertaining it, right? evidence mm-hmm. that yeah. it is true. Totally. Yes. And you can absolutely find evidence for whatever you want to find evidence for. Right. So what yeah. merit is there even in asking the question is it true? Is there? Yeah, I I think that there can be evidence if you're asking like is it true? Is there something that's more true? Right? So that's more in the line of like CBT kind mm. of work. Is mm-hmm. it true? Is it valid? What would you prefer to believe? Like you can work with the thought. My short circuit when I'm talking about thoughts is to use mindfulness and just see them as a thought rather than entertaining them, is seems to be the best short circuit. Meaning, when the thoughts come up, I can say, oh, there's the inner critic again giving me these thoughts. And after doing maybe a little bit of work, I can go, and the reason they're trying to give me these thoughts is for protection. Mm-hmm. So you can even get to the place where you start to have some gratitude for your inner critic. Thank you, inner critic, for trying to keep me safe somehow, for helping me not fail or trying to help me not fail in life, because if I fail, that could really hurt. So thank you so much for trying to keep me in line. And is there something that you would rather do rather than be in hyperdrive and trying to criticize me all the time? We don't want those parts of us to lead us. We don't We don't want to have them be in the driver's seat. We want to be in the driver's seat, kind of self, the core wants to be in the driver's seat. 
not being driven by our inner critic or our anxiety or, you know, these coping mechanisms. They're okay to to be in the car, but Mm -hmm. you get in danger when they're behind the wheel. And so it's it's that being able to help them kind of know their place and not in like a know your place kind of way. (laughs) Put them in its place. Right? Not putting them in its place because what happens again, like treating them almost like children. If you come across as a authoritarian type parent, you're going to have children that either are scared and they comply or they're going to rebel. Mm -hmm. If you treat them in that that way, your parts, you're not going to get very far with them. But if you treat them like a loving, nurturing parent would... With kindness, with compassion, with holding space with, for them, they're going to react in a very different way, these parts. Is it CBT that tries to say that there can be two truths, that that this mm-hmm. can be true and this can be true? That's more of a DBT thought. Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking. Yes, that's yep. it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, Um, I know. Wrong acronym. There's a million. um, (laughs) Is there some merit there in this case of saying, okay, this could be true. I could be this way. Yeah. But it doesn't mean this also or can't be true. And, you know, that that it's you're not stuck in that place either, even if you were to acknowledge that that was part of who you were. Yeah. Or you had been in the past. Yes. So I guess is that part of short circuiting it or is that? something that needs to be more guided by someone else rather than something that we do internally or can do internally. I don't know if I'm following the question. Okay. We can hope that people are able to navigate whatever mental challenge they're facing on their own. Yeah. And sometimes the inner critic yeah. can get to the point where they are very much in charge. Yes. So at what point do you know that, that you're guiding your own thoughts in mm-hmm. a healthy way versus guiding your own thoughts because that inner critic is in charge. Yeah. It's it's kind of this needing to differentiate between you and the inner critic and realizing that it's not the same, that it's a part of you. It's not who you are at the core. And even just having that distinction can be incredibly helpful. But sometimes we can't see and sometimes and a lot of times that's where therapy can help in this process of being able to see and unblur that like is that my voice is that this inner critic's voice should I be listening to this is this where is this really coming from and so getting clarity on that can be really helpful with what you're saying here yeah we had an anxiety centered episode Uh where I think that part of the challenge with people with anxiety is that it's very hard to differentiate yes. your anxiety voice versus the person that could be in charge. Yeah. Yes. And absolutely. I think that speaks to what you're you're going with here. Yep. Yep. Very, very similar in that same way. Like, is this is this my gut or is this anxiety or like what is this? And mm-hmm. it can cause a lot of turmoil. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as we just get too much in our heads. Which I don't know who does that. It's definitely not me. It's weird. (laughs) Super weird. But I think, and I just think about those things as I try to like prepare myself to one day get married, one day be in a relationship. And it's kind of funny to be like, you know, I know when I was younger, like, oh, I can't even imagine getting to 30 and not being married. And now I'm like, I'm 43 and I'm doing just fine. Maybe I'll get married someday in the next 10 years. (laughs) But that I'm like, I'm still preparing and... I'm really preparing in the last year. I've really been trying to take big steps of not just so I can be in a relationship, but so I can be a healthy partner in a relationship because Mm -hmm. that's something I very much want. 
thinking about what it is I actually want in a spouse. Like everybody knows I would love to marry somebody who's already been married before. I don't know why, but that is what I prefer. Maybe it's because I found like I kind of joke about like girls don't like nice guys until they've dated a horrible guy. And then once they've dated a horrible guy, then they can appreciate a nice guy. Mm. But you can't appreciate a nice guy first off. It sounds dumb, but we can't. Well, I think maybe you think they're they're going into the relationship with eyes wide open mm-hmm. instead of just romantic blinders kind yeah. of thing. Like, I know how bad it can be. Yeah. I know how rough this can be. You know, my brother, he went through a horrible divorce. Horrible divorce. It's been almost 12 years now, and they're still in and out of custody mm. hearings. And it's just rough, awful. Mm. And my brother is literally one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. And people could probably look at him and be like, he's a pushover. He's this. I mean, he is just gentle and sweet and kind. And when he got remarried, he married a woman who did not have a nice ex-husband. He was awful to her. And so when she found my brother, she was like, I can't. I, I love how gentle and sweet and kind and loving you are. And you want to help me and you want to do these things. And I'm like, you have to find people that are going to appreciate those things about you that, so like with me, I'm very optimistic. I'm very complimentary. I very much enjoy talking to people. For other people. For other people, but not myself (laughs) because I am worthy, worthless and lazy. (laughs) Um, It's true, but for other people. And it's because, you know, I really want to be with someone who can appreciate that about me. And sometimes that means they have to have been with someone who was really awful Mm. and, and are able to appreciate like, oh, She's really nice to me. Oh, she wants to fix me dinner and make me happy and do those things because it makes her happy to do this. And, you know, I just think about that all the time because I'm like, I am almost positive I'm going to marry someone who's been in a bad relationship because I think that they will appreciate me. That's why she's had all these bad relationships. Yeah, she just, that's the she's just work. setting the foundation. Yeah. So I when- am telling you, <laughs> <laughs> I have done the work. <laughs> No. And yeah, there's just there's just things that I really want to be prepared for. And maybe it won't happen in my lifetime. And that's okay. Like, I'm really at an age where I'm like, I have amazing friends. I have amazing family. I can watch Wheel of Fortune whenever I want. Yeah. It'll be great. But I amazing podcast. I do have a great podcast. (laughs) I have a mediocre producer. But that. Yeah, it's true. That's true. We would be nothing without Nick. Let me just tell you all right now. But in the last year, I've gotten to be so thankful for who I am. Yeah. Flaws and all. All the flaws. Like, And I'm just like, you know what? It's okay. That's okay. That so, feels so good. Oh, it does. Yeah. Yes. It's a very different feeling. So would you say you aren't afraid of who you think you are? I'm getting there. Okay. I'm definitely getting there. It's been interesting because this last six months has also been very overwhelming. And stressful in good ways and bad ways. Like my business all of a sudden has gotten so busy in a great way. But it's also very overwhelming. I'm like, what do you mean I only get to watch two hours of Netflix instead of eight hours today? That's weird. (laughs) And I have several people in my life that have very bad health problems. And it's feeling very overwhelming because I'm like, I want to help. I want to be there for these people. What can I do? And I've been surprised at how easily, not easily overwhelmed, but I've been very overwhelmed for the last month. Just like. Okay. And I have to, like you were talking about, like, I have to go and shut down. Like, I call them TikTok breaks because sometimes it's like, I got to watch TikTok and I'll set my little alarm for seven minutes and I'll watch TikTok for seven minutes. And some days it's, I have to watch Sister Wives for two hours. And and it's hard because I can get into my own head and be like, okay, you're lazy and stupid and you need to stop doing that. I'm like, no, Mm. I need to protect my brain 
<laughs> and I yeah. need to figure out like where a good step is. So it's just kind of a matter of just kind of putting the work in, but loving myself. That's yes. one of the reasons I wanted Michelle. I've been wanting Michelle in for forever. And so I was like, just come tell people how they can help themselves. Yes. And it really, that's what it boils down to, yeah. right? Is the learning to love myself. Yeah. And I have worked with a lot of people and I have helped them see who they actually are. Right. It's like they aren't these parts of themselves. They're mm-hmm. not this and they're not that. They're not lazy. They're not, I don't know, what other things that do people bring up. But the, you're not that. That's you're not, not who that. you are. Yeah. And some of my very favorite times and feels almost always like a breakthrough is when we are able to discover together that at their core, they're a really amazing being. Mm-hmm. And they're not who they think they are. Yeah. Like people, there is a real fear for people that when they really see themselves they're going to be a pretty bad person, mm-hmm. even with people that do bad things. And I've worked with a lot of people that have done some pretty bad things at their core. Yeah, they're not bad. And so I that's that's actually one of my favorite parts of my job mm-hmm. is helping people to see that. And when you see that, you can love that. Right. You can love yourself. It's easier to love yourself, I guess. When it you is. know that. Right? And I think it's easier to love other people Absolutely. when you realize that. Yes. That's something I've been really learning. So. I just can't recommend you enough. So if you're in Utah, Michelle, you just even just Google Michelle Diagonal House. It'll pop right up. Yes. I promise. She does do Zoom calls. If you're in the state, though, I highly recommend going in person. I personally think it's much better. Yeah. I think it's good for her to read your mannerisms and you read hers and just being in the same energy. But um, there's nothing wrong with just getting a little bit of help and figuring things out the direction you want to go. Sometimes she will just guide you. Thank you so much for being here. I hope oh, you had you fun and it wasn't too scatterbrained for you. Nope. That so, was great. <laughs> she's like, I've had sessions with you. It's just fine. <laughs> but if you guys have any thoughts or anything else you want to talk to us about, let us know at barbiedoesdating at gmail.com and we will talk to you soon.